Hello and welcome to The Double Double. My name is David Dixon and today we will be talking about the NFL Week 4 action. I'm going to be attacking this week again solo. Kelly still swamped at work. Bosses are making sure the new guy is very busy making sure he's doing all the tasks he's got to do and Kelly's embracing the challenge. Unfortunately, that that means work comes first and that means podcasting has to take a little bit of a of a back seat at this current moment, but don't worry. I am here and I will be breaking down the week of football just like I did last week. And it it was a pretty good week. Uh a lot of a lot of exciting games, not as many truly breakout performances, but we figured out a lot about each team. A lot of teams that we had questions about, we kind of learned more about them and, and where they fit in. And we had some injuries that we had to talk about, but we also, it was mainly a learning week. And so just jumping right into it, you know, we're going to talk about the Giants because that's my team. It's Kelly's team. And they beat the Redskins 24-3 to on Sunday. And Daniel Jones, he looked great to start the game. He had set Twitter on fire with his outfit walking in, which really there was nothing wrong with it. Uh-huh. But it was just the – it was very Duke. He was basically just wearing a button-down dress shirt and some khakis and a North Face backpack. And I think it's because he looks so young. He doesn't have any facial hair. He looks like he's a 20-year-old, not a 23-year-old. He really looks like he could still be in college, and he probably could be. But there was great jokes about how he looked like Eli's intern, how he was getting ready to present his final project in econ class. But he's just going about his business. You could tell that he really didn't like all the attention on him. And he delivered to to start the game. He was playing really well, moving the ball down the field. It helped to play in Washington, who was not good at all. But he was still playing well. Those touchdowns to Wayne Gallman to start the game, who was replacing the injured Saquon Barkley, and then leads another drive where Gallman runs it in from, from the one. And he got a lot of help from the defense where they were intercepting not just Case Keenum, but Dwayne Hackens is just not ready to play. The, that's Washington's rookie out of Ohio State. Proved that not a lot of first-team reps. Just just not really ready to play yet. And the Giants' defense capitalized and looked good. Probably not as good as they actually are. They, put, they played way above their level, had three interceptions against Haskins, even ran one back for a touchdown. So... They played well, and that really helped Jones because he did throw back-to-back interceptions. I think it was back-to-back throws in the second quarter. So his stats to end the game said he had one touchdown, two interceptions, 225 yards, but only threw eight incompletions. So he was very, very efficient throwing the ball down the field. He gets Golden Tate back this week for week five. They are hosting the Vikings, who are coming off a really disappointing game against the Bears, where the Bears' defense just manhandled them. And they just didn't look very good, Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins, when it comes down to it, playing against good teams, just 
he just lacks that it factor that I got this, guys. Don't worry. I'm going to give us a chance to win. When when Kirk goes up against good teams, he doesn't do well. And I don't know if it's the pressure or if it's just that he's just not that good. And he fooled me. I He was my long shot MVP candidate, and that proved to be a very, very long shot. And it's just the Giants have to be thinking, hey, Maybe we force some pressure on, on Cousins. The The issue will be if they could stop Dalvin Cook because that running back for the Minnesota Vikings is is just exceptional. And he should be able to run all over the Giants. So give Dan, it would give Danny Jones a chance to, to win another game where he's going to have to be really good. He's going to have to throw the ball, move, it up, move the ball down the field, and take care of the ball, which is the biggest thing because he had two fumbles in the game against Tampa Bay and he had two interceptions last week so he's he's when he's when 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 he's on he looks really good and he makes great throws and he's doing well but it's just got to be just got to take care of the ball but going to the game this was the most excited I've been for a Giants game since the playoff game against the Packers what is that now three seasons ago and just just the excitement level he's brought back to New York is really just the big takeaway and the real positive from just the whole Daniel Jones experience thus far is that we're still trying to figure out if he's good, still trying to figure out if he's the franchise quarterback to truly replace Manning. But in that, it's not that we're questioning him, we're excited about him, we're hopeful about him. And it's just so much more exciting because the Jets were this preseason exciting team a lot of talent and Sam Darnold gets mono and they're terrible and because they don't have their their quarterback and then their backup gets hurt so now they're starting Bryce Petty or Luke Falk whoever it is it's just not very good and so now it's it's the Giants are taking over the talk of the city again and there's just a lot of excitement about them because everyone knows they aren't very good but can but can dime spark a little magic and make them play above their level and that's what what we're really going to see next week, especially against Minnesota, because Minnesota is probably better than Tampa Bay, and they're probably they're not probably better. They're definitely better than Washington. So it'll be another big chance for for Jones to prove that he's the guy and just take the next step in his development. Because another quarterback who has taken a huge step in his development is Patrick Mahomes, and I know that we talk about Patrick Mahomes all the time. You know. He is the reigning MVP, threw 50 touchdowns last season, the cover of Madden. He is the best. And I know last week I praised him a lot about how he's the best player in football and everything, but he goes and plays against the Lions this past week. And the Lions were playing really well. The Lions were undefeated going this. They were 2-0-1. Stafford was playing awesome. Stafford finished with three touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 300 yards, and had the lead for most of the game. And what it came down to was just that even though they were the D- Detroit was not just hanging around, but really showing that they could compete with Kansas City, Mahomes has now reached that level where we're expecting him to come up with that big play, that big drive. And he wasn't perfect. This was he didn't have any touchdowns this game which is really rare because they basically got to the goal line and kept pounding the ball in but and Mahomes wasn't perfect he missed a lot of throws he had 18 incompletions but Patrick Mahomes is now that guy where we've reached that level where we're now expecting him when he gets the ball late in the game 
to go down the field and win it. And that's pretty amazing that he's that guy in his second season of starting because this is his third year in the NFL, but his first year he sat behind Alex Smith for that whole season. And usually it takes quarterbacks a lot longer to really instill in people's minds that they are a dominant late-game quarterback. Usually we figure out this guy's really talented, this guy's got a lot of hype, he's got a lot of potential, but we but they go through the growing pains. And with Patrick Mahomes, it's it's like he we don't have to worry about the growing pains because he's he's gone through them, it feels like. And the Chiefs are so good. And they're probably the best team in the NFL. It's either them or the Patriots. And the Patriots really struggled this past week against Buffalo. They always play well. They or excuse me, they never play well at Buffalo. And their defense really bailed them out. The fact that Josh Allen got hurt really, really helped them because Matt Barkley then had to come in. But Brady didn't play that well. And yes, the Pats figured it out, but the Pats have issues too. They really struggled to run the ball, got a lot of issues up front. They really, really miss Gronkowski. Not because of the weapon Gronk was, because you could see last year he couldn't be that same type of receiver we all loved him for where he get where he was truly unstoppable for the whole game he's unstoppable in spurts last season but it was his blocking because his blocking all game he's like six seven two eighty and just the uh, just the blocks he could deliver open up huge running lanes that that's something that they're really missing this year because they are really predictable on offense with their packages of when sony michelle is in they run the ball and when james white or rex burkheader in, it's probably going to be a pass and it's tough when you play a really good defense like buffalo or when you play the rams in the super bowl very good defense it's they they could figure out what you're going to do and if they have an idea of what you're going to do it just becomes easier to stop and when i see kansas city just the mahomes aspect of the creativity and the great play where he bursts out running out of the pocket and he literally turns around to look at the referee to see if there was a flag, so if he knows if he should just throw the ball away or if he should keep going. You know, like the amount of confidence he has or the play where they do the the hook and ladder where it didn't look like a planned play, but they just did it. Like the amount of confidence that this Kansas City Chiefs team has is absurd. And it all comes from Patrick Mahomes leading the charge because he's the best player in football. And they know that because they have the best player in football that they can win and should win every single game. And that no matter if they're down, like they were down 10 nothing after the first quarter. But everyone still expected them to come back and win because they have Patrick Mahomes. It's like when you're playing against Tom Brady late in the Super Bowl. You're expecting him to lead you on that drive to win the game because we've seen it so many times. But with Mahomes, we're, we're expecting it now in year two, not year 15 like with Tom Brady. And I really hope going forward that that they that they keep performing in really big games. Their defense still needs a little bit of work. I would still go right after I would still go after Jalen Ramsey, really hard, because he's super talented and and he'll really help that defense. But it's again like, do, will they want to give up the picks for it? I think they should go all in because they're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes a huge contract, whether it's two hundred million dollars. Or 180, it's going to be the biggest contract a quarterback or player has ever received in the NFL. And he deserves it. No questions asked. He deserves that money. 
But when that one player makes that much money, it hurts the rest of the roster in terms of the talent they can put on the field. You saw that with the Rams last year, before they paid golf and paid the other guys, you could have a really deep roster. The Eagles, when they when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't have to pay Wentz. They could have a lot of talent. They could have Michael Bennett. They could have Chris Long. They could have JHI. All these extra guys because they don't have to pay the quarterback that much. And once he makes that much money, it takes up so much of the cap that it will restrict the creativity of the front office to adding talent around him. So this is the year to just go for it before you give Mahomes that huge contract. Because then you could pay the premium for Jalen Ramsey that you won't be able to, let's say, in one or two seasons. But it's up to them. It's, it's up to them. They, they, they may think, hey, we let, let's still evaluate these next one or two weeks. And who knows? The Jaguars, who we're going to talk about a, a little later, keep winning football games. It's not might not be in the Jaguars' best interest to, cha- to trade J- Jalen Ramsey. Because they may be good. They're in a very winnable division. They could be thinking to themselves, let's just get him on board with the program. And we could be a playoff team, and he wants to play for a winner. If we're in the playoffs, we're, we're a winner. When we have Gardner Minshew, who's a lot of fun. So we'll see how that goes. But mainly, if if you are a betting person or if you want to make a prediction at, at the local bar and w- with your friends, it's Patrick Mahomes is going to win back-to-back MVPs. And I don't really know who else is really in contention right now. It's really Aaron Rodgers, but... The Packers probably will go ten and six. The, the the Chiefs may go fourteen and two, and Lamar Jackson is is two and two right now. He'll 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 get some buzz, but when it comes down to him and Mahomes, I mean, Jackson's gonna have ugly games, and Mahomes is really just gonna he still played well, and he didn't have any touchdowns. Jackson's gonna have games where he completes less than fifty percent of his passes, or he throws interceptions. He's gonna have an unbelievable highlight plays, but in terms of the MVP award, it's really just Mahomes competing against himself, I feel like. And if he could get over 45 touchdowns again, he better start writing that speech because he's going to be accepting his second MVP award back-to-back, which is just incredible for his two first seasons, his first two seasons starting. He's, he's the MVP, and I don't think that that's never happened before. I don't think in any sport. So... It's up to them just to keep it going, going forward. And if he plays great against the Pats later in the season, that will be, we talked about a lot of college sports of the Heisman moment, right? The moment where a player excels on the biggest stage, primetime game against a big opponent and plays awesome. That's their Heisman moment, which is really just something that ESPN can play during the Heisman ceremony. Just some highlight, something to talk about. And that would be Mahomes' moment if he can go into Foxborough and have four touchdowns like he did last year and just dominate. And that will be, yeah, confirmation for everyone questioning and voting like, yeah, this dude's the MVP because we know he is now, but he just has to prove it and reaffirm and confirm to us that that this is his award to lose. The next game I want to talk about was the Browns and the Ravens. This was a huge, huge game, and I kind of touched on it a little bit last week with the Browns, where this was as much of a must-win as possible for them because if they were sitting 1-3 and three after week four with all the hype they got in the preseason, the Super Bowl hype, trading for Odell Beckham, adding all this talent, changing coaches, and if they were 1-3... and three, 
they would have been the talk of the NFL as the, as the disappointment of the season. And the fact that they were able to go to Baltimore in a division game and just dominate running the ball was extremely impressive because Baker wasn't great. He was solid, wasn't great. 342 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Jarvis Landry was awesome. Eight catches, 167 yards. Odell Beckham was a no-show. He got into another skirmish on the field. You know, you, you wonder about his head and, and where it's at during these games sometimes. But this was a really interesting game because it was, as I talked about at, at the top, this was a prove-it game. It was, we're going to figure out a lot about this team. And we figured out that the Ravens are good, but the Ravens have a lot of issues too with Lamar Jackson taking care of the ball. He had two inter- two interceptions and... Just the Browns were able to put up a lot of points, and, and Nick Chubb, their their running back, had 165 yards on 20 carries, three touchdowns, dominated the game really the whole way. And I think when of all of our talk about the Browns, we forgot that they have this great running back and really could run the ball down their throats because we think of Baker, we think of Odell, Freddie Kitchens, the coach. We're concerned about their offensive line and and how they can block and protect Mayfield. But Nick Chubb is really good. And maybe he can help mask and open up parts of the game for Baker in the play action to help get the ball to Odell, help get the ball to Jarvis Landry. Because if they can establish the run as – because Nick Chubb might be not their most – he's definitely not their most talented offensive player, but he's he's been the most productive so far. And it depends on what your definition of best is. But if, you, but if you're someone who thinks that your best player is your most productive player, then Nick Chubb has been your best player so far this season on offense. And if teams start respecting Chubb more, it'll help open up the game, open up the field for Mayfield and that whole passing offense. And then on the flip side, you just got to hope that the Ravens defense plays better. It was probably just a bad week, but... Ravens defense has played well throughout the season. It's a hallmark, not just of the team this year, but of just the whole franchise in general throughout their history from the days with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Terrell Sugg. And Lamar Jackson is going to get you in shootouts because he's going to turn the ball over. Or maybe not shootouts, but Lamar Jackson has the ability to put a lot of points up on the board, but he also has the ability to put you in a really difficult spot on defense by turning the ball over, making bad throws, taking sacks going for the spectacular instead of the easy and that puts a lot of pressure on the defense and Cleveland was able to capitalize and put pressure on Baltimore because when I see Baltimore I don't see a team that if they're down 10 nothing or if they're down late in the game really just at like halftime I don't see them as a team that can really come back and win because I just don't trust Jackson in that way it's funny like I have so much trust in Mahomes and some other quarterbacks around the league. And Jackson's super talented, but we've seen time and time again that when that when Lamar plays a good team, he really struggles. And he didn't struggle so much today, or excuse me, yesterday in terms of completions and his uh, completion percentage, but he struggled in other aspects of the game. And it was his interceptions and it was the sacks. And I'm still just not completely sold on him. And I know I keep saying this. I said this last week. I've said this the weeks before as well. 
I think we just need to calm down the hype train because he makes great Twitter plays. He makes the great highlight play where he makes an elite cut when he's running and breaks a bunch of tackles and will make a spectacular throw. But do you want a Twitter quarterback or do you want a championship quarterback? Do you want... Because that's something that, that we talk about with Baker all the time, too. Because Baker says these headlines. He talks in the media all the time. And he says all this stuff. But do we want a quarterback who's that outspoken and, and not productive on the field? And I don't know, because these are both two young quarterbacks who are proving themselves and proving who they are as professionals. And I don't want to say that they're definitely out or definitely in or what have you, but this was a gut check game because now this division is the Cleveland's two and two, Baltimore's two and two, Cincinnati is one and three. Excuse me, Cincinnati's own four and Pittsburgh's one and three. This is still a wide open division. And I think we didn't get much we got some clarity on, on who the Browns were and a little bit on, on who the Ravens were, but the biggest thing that we got from this that, that I took away from this was that the AFC North is completely up for grabs this year and it's going to come down between the Browns and the Ravens. Mason Rudolph looked good tonight for the, for the Steelers. We're calling this on a Monday night right after the Monday night football game. And if Rudolph can keep playing as well as he did tonight, I understand it was against the Bengals and they're pretty bad at this whole football thing, but could they sneak into the playoffs at 8-8? Eight and eight? Who knows? Mike Tomlin's a great coach, great motivator. They trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, the defense is, is a little better because of because of that deal. And we'll see. But the AFC North will have a lot of eyes on it going forward because that playoff race should be getting close and really tight going forward. And just the last thing I want to hit on before we take a quick break and go to the winners and losers of week four is just what is going on with the Los Angeles Rams. They got absolutely destroyed and embarrassed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because you can look at the score and say, oh, well, you know, they really only lost by two scores. Well, they gave up 55 points at home to Tampa Bay. And you could say Tampa Bay is better. This is now week four in Bruce Arians' offense for Jameis Winston. You could tell he's picking it up and it, it is an, an explosive offense and they are exciting frequently to watch now but you still give up 55 points 55 points this wasn't a big 12 game folks this was an nfl football game and the rams were undefeated up to this point and just a classic letdown game clearly they, they thought tampa was no good that if Danny Dimes was car- carving up, then they don't really need to worry. And it's amazing that they gave up more points than the Giants' defense because the Rams' defenses should be better than the Giants just in terms of talent and coaching. But that's why you play the games. And Jared Goff threw 68 passes in this game. And I know everyone is talking about it, and my opinion is basically the same as everyone else's which is that Jared Goff should not be throwing 68 passes in a game it doesn't give you the best chance to win and I understand part of it is the scoreboard and you have to play to the rhythm of the game and trying to catch up and put up points 
and you say, oh, yeah, well, he threw 517 yards. But that's not how the Rams want to play. That's not how their team is built to win, and you're not playing to their strengths. Their strengths is when they run the ball, establish the run, and it opens up play, play action for them. Because in Sean McVay's system, the play action is just creates such a dangerous weapon. They have to be able to get to it. Like Todd Gurley, I don't know if he's not healthy. I don't know if it's just they just don't like him. They gave him a huge contract, so they must have faith in him. But he needs to get the ball more than five times rushing. Because he only had 16 yards. He was five for 16. That's not how this Rams team is built to win. And if he's not healthy, you, it's a sunk cost. You need to just get it to some, get the ball to someone else who is healthy and use maybe Gurley more in the passing game. Use him as a decoy. But you need to someone who can run the ball. Because otherwise, this Rams team is going to, when they come up against a good team, and to be seen if Tampa's really just good or if they're exciting, they come against um, up against a good team like Chicago, who could really stop the run and make golf beat them, it's going to be really tough for them to win. Big games late in the season. Because this team is talented. Don't, don't get me wrong. This team will make the playoffs. But is this team a true Super Bowl contender? Or are they a flawed team like a lot of teams in the NFL who really their, their potential is the second round of the playoffs? So we're going to take a quick break now, and when we come back, I will give you the winners and losers of week four. Number one, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Gardner Minshew, is our first winner of the week because this week he led a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter to win a professional football game, and he's doing it in style. He's just a lot of fun to watch. He, they're calling it Minshew mania. He had. 213 yards and two touchdowns this week delivered in the fourth quarter when the game mattered the most and just the reports he's getting from the coaching staff down in Jacksonville is amazing because they all are saying like hey yeah you know we saw the numbers in college but we thought it was a product of the system and we didn't know what what we'd be getting exactly until he got here and once he got here they were they were stunned at what he was picking up, how fast he was picking it up, and he clearly a fast learner. And he he got some luck, you know. Bradley Chubb, the the star defensive end for the Broncos, tore his ACL during the game, so we didn't have to face him the whole time. But had some benefits of the Broncos missed tackling late in the game. But it's on Minshew too, because he's making plays at the end of the game. He's winning. Jacks are now two and two, and you know. Kicking the field goal to win it the way Jameis Winston was, but just think about how we feel about Jameis Winston if they beat the Giants last week on that field goal and then they beat the Rams this week. Now they're three and one, right? It's it's a team effort, but we we think about these late game drives as just the end result of the capitalization with the win. And Minshew was able to do that because his kicker made it. 
put him in a position, and he was awesome. He played. He wasn't great during the whole game because he had a lot of incompletions, and Leonard Fournette really dominated, 29 rushes for 225 yards, really playing like the guy we saw, thought he would be at coming out after, out of LSU. But Gardner Minshew gets to be the winner this week because, A, he's the quarterback, and, B, he's just a lot of fun. And as he keeps winning, there's going to be more and more stories, more and more press about him where it's just great entertainment value. And and there's going to be a lot of kids who are going to be named, named Beowulf, I think, because of the legend of Gardner. And just wait till Mike Leach starts talking about him and his coaches and his old teammates in, like, junior college. It's... I can't wait, and I'm really hoping that Minshew mania continues and, and lives on. Our second winner, I talked about a little bit earlier with the Browns, and I really just want to highlight again, is, is Nick Chubb. No relation, I don't think, to Bradley Chubb, who I just mentioned on the Broncos, but Nick Chubb, Browns running back, three touchdowns, 168 yards. And I won't go into too much detail because I really talked about it for a while before, which is he was just really proven that he is the most productive player on the Browns, and he might be their best player. I know it's hard for people to grasp because he's not a quarterback. He's not named Odell Beckham. He wasn't the number one pick. Don't even think he was a first-round pick, mainly just because he had a knee injury at Georgia. And But he just dominates games, and Bill Simmons talks about him all the time because he's on his fantasy team. But... He's just super productive, runs the ball really well, and is a huge part of this Browns season because he can hide and mask a lot of issues because Freddie Kitchens can call a play where it's just a simple run, and he can take it, like he did this past week, to, to the house. And it makes the coaching staff look really good and makes us not question them as much when it's, it's like we're not having the Freddie Kitchens talk this week, A, because they won the game, and B, because Nick Chubb looked great. If Nick Chubb didn't look that great... You know, we'd be talking about Freddie Kitchens and is, should, is he calling the right play because Baker isn't playing well and Odell's not getting going. But Chubb in a great running game hides a lot of those issues. And maybe it's, it's foolish of me to say, but maybe with all these running backs being taken high and I don't want to say the reemergence of the running back in the NFL, but as much as these new coaches and we're talking about these guys who are throwing the ball and the air raid coming to the NFL and everything, there is some type of value to having that type of great running back that takes off so much pressure, even in the modern NFL when teams are focused on passing. Having that type of running game just takes off so much pressure from a team, a coaching staff, the defense, and of course the quarterback that I think it's really going to force some teams to question, evaluate how they draft going forward. And how they how they construct and build a team because we see what it does for a team when there's a Saquon Barkley, when there's an Ezekiel Elliott, a healthy Todd Gurley, and obviously a Nick Chubb now, a Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. What that can do for your team is immeasurable because they can win you games. They can hide so many other issues. So that's why Nick Chubb and really I guess just great running backs. Now I'm thinking about it are are the winners of the week, and the third winner does not play football. It's not a network that even has football. Well, they have Hard Knocks, which is HBO and their TV show, Succession. Succession is probably the hottest show of this fall so far. I watch it. It's a great show. Very entertaining. Really well written. Uh, 
but it's on its Sunday nights, like all great HBO shows, Sunday night, right? And you think in the NFL season, you know, this isn't Game of Thrones last season where you felt, all right, like Game of Thrones last year, I'm sure was beating out NBA playoff games on Sunday nights. And who knows if they could beat out NFL. Maybe that's why they put it in the spring. But, like, if the Game of Thrones episode where it was the battle battle of Winterfell or the, or, or the finale, maybe that could beat out a Sunday night football game. I doubt it. I doubt it. But who knows, right? Cra- crazy things have happened. But the winner of this week is Succession because the Sunday football game was bad. <laughs> it was a bad game. It was Cowboys Saints, really low scoring. And the final score was twelve to ten. And when it's those prime time games, and there's other clearly good things on TV, you know, I haven't seen the numbers, but I'm sure Succession did well. Besides just being a really good episode, if you're performing and you're taking and if it's really just on the NFL for not performing, not having a Sunday night game that, that keeps the eyeballs on it, and therefore the, the winner is succession, because I'm sure a lot of people were tuning away from Cowboys Saints and going to succession. Or their other favorite TV show. I was just saying succession because it's what the HBO show that's on right now. Losers of the week. You know, there's always got to be losers. And the first loser is the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are a really weird team. I can't figure them out. I don't think a lot of people can figure them out or have figured them out. They're 2-2. Two and two, Just lost to Carolina 16-10 at home. And it's just like... They're just not very well coached, it feels like. They're always calling these timeouts. So at the end of the game, when they need timeouts, they just never have them. And it's not like it happens once. It's like, all right, well, it happened once. It was bad clock management. It's like a thing every week. You could just count on Deshaun Watson having to win games with no timeouts. Like, he only had 160 yards this week. And Carolina's good-ish. They're not that good. Especially on the road. And they don't really have a running game. We just praise the running game of the Browns and the Vikings and these other teams. And don't really have a running game. Can't really block. Like, their off the line is still really bad. And they traded a first and second round pick for a left tackle. They traded to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil, their great left tackle. And they still can't really block. Deshaun Watson got sacked six times on Sunday. Six. That's like when Alabama goes and plays Troy. Like, if I'm surprised, I'd be shocked if Watson, if this kept up, would stay health is going to stay healthy for the whole season. He just takes so many hits that I don't know what you do because they can't block. So then he can't get anything going passing the ball. Like they can't get Hopkins going, and Hopkins might be the best player in the NFL. Well, not the best player, best receiver in the NFL. Can't get anything going. And they don't have a dump-off guy. Like, when you like when you look at Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen had a decent day. Won the game, 232 yards, no touchdowns. But he can just give it to McCaffrey. McCaffrey got the ball 37 times. He had 27 carries and 10 catches. This is a running back. Watson doesn't have that guy. And you can throw McCaffrey in the group that I just talked about in, in, in the winners. But... When you have this Texans team, because this is in a a division where it's like it is 
wide, wide open. Because you have the Andrew Luck retirement with the Colts, where you don't really believe that, that, that they're for real. And they dropped a game this past week to the Raiders, so they're 2-2. Two and two. You got the Jags are in a backup quarterback. And then you have Tennessee, who is super inconsistent, and Mariota isn't very good. Like, the Texans could go out and should be able to go 11-5, and five, win the division, and cruise into the three-seed for the playoffs. Like, they should be the third-best team in the AFC behind New England and Kansas City, right? Third or fourth, maybe, with San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers on paper. But they just don't win the games that they're supposed to win. And this is a trend going back years now is that they're just inconsistent. You can't rely on them. And that's why that they're a loser this week because they should have beaten Carolina at home with no Cam Newton. And they only score 10 points. And they get a lot of hype because it's Sean Watson and J.J. Watt and they're in a big market in Houston and DeAndre Hopkins, but I just don't see it. I'm tired of being let down by them. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of saying they're, they're going to be really good and that they're going to win and watching them blow it. And if you want to have be a fan and have your heart broken week after week, root, root for the Texans because they know how to break your heart. The next loser of the week is the Denver Broncos. The Broncos came into the year with one of the best defenses on paper. They try to have a stopgap quarterback in Joe Flacco, and they're 0-4. They've lost two games by two points. And they lost to the Raiders by 8 and to the Packers by 11. They are probably a couple plays away in some of these games from being 2-2 and or 3-1. and And imagine now if we're talking Denver, 3-1, and great defense, getting ravaged by injuries. Now your own 4 getting ravaged by injuries, it's does the coach survive? Are they taking Tua at number 2? Should they go to Drew Locke, figure out what they have in him? You know, they took Drew Locke in the second round. And they're still starting Flacco, but you but you gotta think sooner or later Drew Locke's gonna be starting these football games for him because even though Flacco played pretty well, he's not the long term option there. He knows it, the team knows it, everyone knows it. Drew Locke knows it. And maybe it will happen after the bye. Uh just look just looking at it, their bye week is coming up and not very soon, it doesn't seem like. So they are in trouble. Their second best player, Bradley Chubb, tears his ACL. He's out for the season. Still with Von Miller. But that pass rush never really got going this year. And it's really disappointing. And Because this is a historic franchise. And it's going to be ugly when, when they play the Chiefs. Should be only when they play the Chargers, but the Chargers are a whole other story of just inconsistent, never win the game that they're supposed to. But with the Broncos, it's just what is going on? What is going on with them? And this was a team that was in the Super Bowl not too long ago. They won the Super Bowl. And it's just been really, really downhill from here. And they're going to have to have a big draft next year, and they have to figure out if Drew Locke is their guy because if Drew Locke is not their guy, they need a quarterback. They need a Tua. They need a Jake Fromm. They need a Justin Herbert. And they should spend the rest of the season fig- figuring out is Locke the guy the way Miami is figuring, trying to figure out is Rosen the guy to pre- start preparing for the 2020 draft. And then this brings us to our 
Final loser of the week, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott starts the season, or really starts the offseason. He wants a new contract. Me and Kelly have talked about this. Talked about this with his cousin Jeff and all these other guys where talking about Dak and does he deserve the forty million bucks? Does he deserve the forty million dollars a year that he wants? And no one really believed. It was like, yeah, probably not. But you know, he's a quarterback, and they keep every contract, every quarterback contract resets the market. And you know, maybe he'll get it. But the Cowboys prioritized re-signing Zeke before Dak. And Dak was awesome week one. He came out clearly with a point to prove. And he had a great opponent to do it against, the Giants, right? Bad team, struggling, had Eli starting on the road, playing in Dallas. And D- Prescott feasted. Now he's played a couple of week games in a row. Now we're starting to talk about should he... Is he not just worthy of forty million bucks? Is he the starter long term in Dallas? Like, can you win a Super Bowl with him? And you gotta wonder, you gotta wonder if he's that guy because when you look at it, they had a really, really easy start to the schedule: Giants, Washington, Miami, and they're still three and one, still in first place, but. Losing to the Saints at home with no Drew Brees and I'm supposed to be paying you $40 million a year and you don't throw a touchdown? You're not getting $40 million from me. Maybe you'll get it from Jerry. Maybe you'll get it from, from Jerry Jones. Maybe you'll get it from the Dolphins or some other bad team. But you're not getting it from a franchise run by me. So coming up later in the week, hopefully Kelly will be back later this week. We'll keep you guys posted on that. But we're going to do the same thing later in the week. We're going to do college football focused. Kind of liking this NFL beginning of the week, college later in the week. And then obviously NBA media days are happening. We're getting some preseason games going on. We have a couple guests in the works for you guys talking NBA hoops. Kelly and I will start doing our previews for the season and start talking basketball again, which will be a lot of fun um, because we love the game and we, we love talking about hoops last year and I got to start doing some research because I picked the Raptors to win the finals last year and I hit it and it was a great feeling just watching my, my pick come true and the NBA is wide open this year and so I, I, I got to do some research at leaning towards the Bucks right now because of our good friend Jordan Sears coaching for him but you know I, I got to let the research speak for itself but Looking forward to Friday, either with Kelly doing a lot of college football and probably getting his thoughts on all things football in his last couple weeks while he's been doing his thing. And if not, maybe another solo. Maybe, I don't know if Coach Sass will be able to come back, but it'll be someone else and we'll be talking a lot of college football. So until then, take care. And as Kelly loves to say, make it a great day.